So we're in a series in the month of September. Uh, we're in a series titled "Discovering the Personality of Jesus," and uh, last week we talked about uh, the, if we could say it, the playful, fun, relational side of Jesus. And so much of so much of uh, church world has put a religious fog on Jesus. And it actually makes him unapproachable to a lot of people because they think he's this uh, robed person who's glowing and is going to smite you because of your dirt and unworthiness. But what we see in the life of Jesus, and you can always go back on the podcast and listen to it, is that Jesus was a real person who had real friends, who was playful, fun, and relational. And so that's last week's, and, and tonight... We're going to be talking about a different side or different trait that we see in the life of Jesus uh, in the Gospels, in the, uh, through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And the kind of the question that we're asking the entire month that we want us to all ask ourselves is, what is Jesus like? What is Jesus like? And we did this exercise last week, but it was, you know, he's holy, he's, he's righteous, he's... He's love, he's compassionate, and, and kind of all those descriptive words are true, but they wouldn't be words that you would describe your best friend. And Jesus didn't come to earth and die on the cross and rise, raise again, defeating death so that we could label him with these vague Christian terms. He came and rose again so that we would actually know him. In John 17, Jesus prays, and it's, it's really, he gives us the Lord's Prayer, but this is one of the only prayers that we see from Jesus, and this was his last prayer before he went to the cross. He said, Father, I pray that they would know you the same way that I know you. Jesus' prayer was that you and I would have the type of relationship with God himself as Jesus did. So our, our kind of one of our core verses is, is 1 John 1, 1 through 3. It says this. From the very first day, we were there. So to give you context, if you, uh, just to this passage, 1 John is written by John, who is Jesus' closest friend. So this is like God was best friends with Jesus. So from the very first day, we were there, taking it all in. We heard it with our own ears, saw it with our own eyes, verified it with our own hands. The word of life appeared right before our eyes. We saw it happen. And now we're telling you in most sober prose so that what we witnessed was incredibly this. The infinite life of God himself took shape before us. We saw it, we heard it, and now we're telling you so you can experience it along with us. So John's saying the reason we tell the world about Jesus is not so that they can go to heaven and escape hell, although that is a part of it. The reason we tell the world about Jesus so that they can experience the friendship and closeness with God that John had with Jesus. And I'm here to tell us it's possible. Everyone say, it's possible. It's possible to actually have a deep, close friendship with God himself, with Jesus himself. And so, unfortunately, most people, I, I was talking to 
Um, some friends of mine recently, my, these friends aren't, are, aren't necessarily following, following Jesus, and we were having a, a serious conversation about faith and, and whatnot, and, and I asked them, I said, you know, where are you at with, like, God, you know, I just, point blank, like, where are you at with God? And this happens so often, like, that whenever I ask people where they're at with God, people who aren't right with God immediately go to their church attendance, they say, well, I should probably go to church a little bit more. And it breaks my heart that the world views God as a building. It's so unfortunate that the world views their relationship with God on, on, a, on, a, on a broad scale as attending a church service, listening to some dude with a microphone talk to them for 30 minutes. That's their relationship with God. But there's this, there's this thing that we've done in our church world. We've made, we said it last week, we've made Jesus 2D. We've made him two-dimensional by taking away his personality. And what I want to encourage all of us as, my main goal of speaking tonight is to, is to make you totally unsatisfied with how much you know of Jesus. Is to make you so, to make you feel like I don't even know him at all. Not so that you can feel shame, but so that there's an invitation for you to go when no one's looking, to go wherever that is, and you can, you can pray, and you can start a journey of getting to know Jesus personally, getting to know his personality, getting to know what he likes, what he dislikes, getting to know what he thinks of you, getting to know what he thinks about your decisions, getting to know what he thinks about life, about, about everything that's in our world, about discovering his personality. Without, when we read the Bible, if we, if we don't read the Bible in light of Jesus' personality, it's like watching a TV show without sound. Who's ever, like, watched, like, you're at a doctor's office, you're sitting down, and you're, they have a TV on, but there's no sound? Like, it's quite uninteresting, isn't it? Like, it's quite, uh, it's quite shallow because you have no context to the actual uh, storyline and narrative that's actually going on. And that's what it's like when we read the Gospels, when we read the life of Jesus with, without the, the, the perspective of seeing his true personality. And so what I want to talk about tonight, this specific personality trait, is last week we talked about his playful, fun side. Tonight I want to talk about his fierce side. The fierce intentionality of Jesus. The fierce intentionality of Jesus. So Jesus has this interaction with one of his best friends. So one of his best friends is a guy named Peter. So Peter, Jesus, all the people are like, all the people in that time, the religious setting, they were like, oh, Jesus is uh, Jesus is John the Baptist who had just died. They're like, he's a resurrected John the Baptist. Other people are like, no, he's Elisha, which is the guy from the Old Testament who died, who actually never died, and God actually took him straight to heaven without dying. Crazy story. That'd be pretty cool. Anyway, he, uh, so they're like, who is And Peter's like, you are the Christ, the Messiah. And Jesus is like, whoa, you know, flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but God himself revealed this to you, Peter. A few verses later, you keep reading, and you, you see this, and, and Jesus is telling his best friends. Like, imagine this. this like, we view Jesus as telling these stories as in like, yes, I am going to go, and I'm going to die. 
and I'm going to die, and then I'm going to raise on the third day, okay? No, you got to realize that when Jesus is telling, like Jesus is telling his best friends this. He's not telling some random crowd. He's going, he's pulling his best friends in, and he's saying, he's saying, hey guys, hey guys, I'm, I'm going to die. Why was he telling them? Because he, he was telling them because he cared about them. He was telling them because he wanted to warn them so that they wouldn't lose heart and grow faint and grow weary when it didn't happen. He was warning them because he was the be- they, they were best friends. He's not telling them just because he's following the direct instructions from heaven to say, oh yes, make sure you tell them this. Ready, go, Jesus, now. No, you see, he is a relational being, and he still is a relational being. And so then he tells Peter, he's like, Peter, I'm going to go and I'm going to die. And Peter says, I'll never let you die. And Jesus says something this. He says, get behind me, Satan. Whoa, this is not the playful, fun side of Jesus. (laughs) I know some of you have called your best friends some crazy names. (laughs) But Jesus calls one of his best friends Satan. You see, because Jesus, although he's, he's relational and fun, he is a man on a mission. And that when things and friends and things come against him, he has this amazing ability to never run away from any opposition. Jesus has this fierce intentionality that nothing will intimidate him or any of the people that he's with. He has this ability to look inside, look inside of a situation and say, oh, I will never, never back down to that. So Peter's opposing the plan that God has, and Jesus has to be intentionally fierce and direct with his, one of his best friends and says, get behind me, Satan. I was like, Whoa. And the thing, when we, when we think about his intentionality, his, 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 his ferocity, when we think about Jesus and his personality, one thing we have to realize is that, this is one of the main things, Jesus is in enemy territory. Jesus came to earth and he's in the enemy's playground. He's in the devil's playground. He is not in heaven anymore. He has come to earth and he is on a mission, and he has a plan, and he, know where he's go- he knows where he's going. And you even think about the circumstances of his birth. He gets bo- he's born. Herod commands the execution of every boy from zero to two in all of the city, in the regions, because he heard of this King Jesus. You see, even from the time Jesus was born, he was born in the enemy's playground and the devil was trying to kill him. Mass genocide of all the young boys. Jesus did not, he was not born into this flush, heavenly world. He was born into a real world with really bad people, really bad religion, and really bad things happening. An angel visits its parents. An angel visits his parents in the night and says, hey, yo, like, you got to get out of here because they're going to try. Here's my thought. I'm like, yo, God, like, you knew this was going to happen. Why didn't you just have them go to, like, the other city? Like, why, like you knew they were going to get killed. They were like, why are you doing this? And you realize that, that God is not afraid of somebody's bad idea and uh, ill intentions. 
God is not afraid of a bad situation. He's not afraid of you being in an unfortunate circumstance. He happens to be the God of miracles. He happens to be the God who's all-powerful. And he's happy. He happens to be the God whose ear is close to those who call on his name. God's not intimidated. He's born into this dangerous, dangerous world. And then he, he, he continues his life. And then once he starts his ministry... One of you here, I, mean, I have three different verses I want to share with you just to show you how dangerous Jesus' life was. Like, dangerous of, life he, of a life he lived. John 7, 1. So it says, after this, Jesus went around in Galilee. He did not want to go about in Judea because the Jewish leaders were there looking for a way to kill him. <laughs> like, it, do any of you have anyone looking to kill you right now? I hope not. You should probably call the police if they are, or if they do want to kill you. Jesus, he's like, not that he's, look, he's, not, he's not running away from a fight here. He's just like, okay, yo, they want to kill me. My time's not yet, so we're going to stay away from them. Matthew 12, 14 says, but the Pharisees went out and plotted how they might kill Jesus. Like, Jesus is not living in a flush, comfortable world. He's not sitting on clouds and rainbows uh, going around healing everyone. No, it says that there were constantly people who are trying to stone, kill, and shove him off a cliff. Not a very pleasant day. John 10, 39. It says, again, they tried to seize him, but again, he escaped their grasp. Over and over again, Jesus is constantly being, being pursued in being, uh, <laughs> being pursued to end his life. And it's just, it's crazy that the dangerous world that he lived in. And it sets the stage for what, what we want to say here is that even though people were trying to kill him, even though the, the, the religious people and even other people were after his life, Jesus never backed down. So many people have a very skewed view of who Jesus is. They view him as this passive, almost Middle Eastern Gandhi-type figure who, who, who is all about peace and is all about turning the other cheek. Yes, like we're supposed to turn the other cheek, but we're going to read here the other side, the personality of Jesus that we see, that we need to realize as we go into the Word and we discover who this person is. And before we get into this, I want to share just this verse as we, before we go into the passage. It's Hebrew 13.8. It says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The Jesus you see in Scripture is the same Jesus you'll experience now. The Jesus that we see in this passage is the Jesus that lives today. So in, in John 1, in John 1, 1 through 3, it says, through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. So what we, what we see there in John 1 is through him, all things are made. And it says in Psalms that creation, that creation proclaimed the majesties of God. So what we see is that there's actually a part of who Jesus is that we can actually see in nature. There's a very fun, playful side of Jesus that we see in nature. Just look at any golden retriever puppy. 
And you'll be like, Jesus, you're so fun. <laughs> Jesus, you are fun. But there's a, there's a ferocious, fierce side of Jesus that we see in nature. Like a hurricane. Like a, like a lion who, who's, who's, who's crouching, stalking his prey. Like a gorilla who's protecting this, this, this imaginary boundary line of an intruder who's coming in, who will beat his chest and say, if you cross that line, I will like Donkey, like donkey Kong, you ever play Super Smash Bros? And it's like boom, 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 boom. Like, like this is what these, these silverback gorillas will do. And then there's a mama bear who if you get, if you even come close to her cubs, it's game over. And although Jesus is, <laughs> is playful and fun, he's also the intentional lion. He's the mama bear. And he's the gorilla who is fierce, he's intentional, and he's not afraid. And we see that in creation. We see it in creation. This is our Jesus. So, Let's go through. We're going to be in John 21, or John 2, I'm sorry. John 2, 13 through 17. If you have your Bibles, you can pull that out. So we'll just read it real quick, and then we'll break it down and just see some of the, see some of the different elements in it. So this story, Jesus is going into the temple, and the temple was like a church, okay? So let's read it. It says, when it was almost time for the Jewish Passover, Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple courts, he found people selling cattle, sheep, and doves, and others sitting at tables exchanging money. So he made, I'm going to stop here, so he made a whip out of cords. So he, he walks into the church building, or in more like the courts of the church building, be like in the lobby, and what he sees is he sees like people, all these cattle, and there's, there's, there's business going on in the house of God. So they're exchanging, there's money, there's exchanging money, and they're turning the temple, which was made for worship, into, into something that it was never made for, into something that was the, almost abusing the holiness and righteousness of God. And so Jesus walks into the temple. He walks into the temple and says, he made a whip out of cords. So to make a whip, like, I, I imagine like he didn't come prepared with a whip. Like Jesus walks in, you can sense almost the anger. You can sense almost the, the, the disgust that he felt towards what was happening in front of him. And so and, and what it says, uh, when it says a, a whip of cords, it's actually, it, it'd probably be more like a, 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 some sort of plant that it was very strong. And so you could see almost like a really long like leaf or something that was a strong, not bamboo, but type of, type of uh, plant. And he starts weaving it together, leaving some of the end hanging like a whip. So you see this. Jesus was not, he did not come prepared. You see, he saw it, and then he started weaving this whip together. So intentional. So intentional. You could feel the anger, not, not unrighteous anger that leads to sin, but this, this holy anger, this fierce intention that says, this has got to change. And he, and he makes this, this whip. 
He's so intentional. When there's a guy named C.K. Chesterton, he was a philosopher, theologian in the 1800s, died in the, in the earlier parts of the 1900s. And this is, a, that's him. Look at those glasses. Oh my gosh, look at that mustache. Oh man, I need to get, I need to, get, I should get a mustache like that. Be like my dad. So this is what C.K. Chesterton said. So they did a study, and, and they, they found a whole bunch of people who had, not, had no idea who Jesus was. No idea. Like, no religion, no nothing. And they gave them the Gospels, and they said, okay, now read about this person, Jesus, and tell us what you think about him. Okay? This is what they found. It is full, this is Jesus talking about his personality. It is full of sudden gestures, evidently in, or significant, except that we hardly know what they signify of enigmatic silences, of ironic replies, the outbreaks of wrath, like storms above our atmosphere, do not seem to break out exactly where we should expect them, but to follow some higher weather chart of their own. So we see that when we read the Bible with a fresh lens, with a new eye, we see a new side of the wrath, not the wrath, but this wrath, fierce intention of Jesus. So, we keep reading. He makes this whip out of cords. <laughs> so there's all these cattle, right? So there's all these cattle and animals in the, in, the, in the courts. And Jesus starts taking the whip, and he starts yelling and screaming. And it says, and drove all from the temple courts, both sheep and cattle. This is a riot, this is a stampede. This is a total outbreak of chaos, and Jesus doesn't seem to care. In fact, he seems to support it. You see him with a whip. You can imagine cattle and different uh, sheep, and he's just whipping the ground. He's whipping the ground. He's screaming as loud as he can, telling everyone to, to get out, get out, get out. He's disrupting everything. This is our Jesus. This is not some passive Gandhi figure going into the temple saying, hey guys, um, could you just please uh, just not do that? Could, could, you, could you just like not have cattle in the temple? It really hurts God's feelings. <laughs> but I, oh, 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 you, oh, you're not gonna, oh, yeah, you don't have to leave, okay? Yeah, Jesus loves you, okay, yeah, yeah, like, I love you and not Jesus. Jesus amen. <laughs> Hey, hey, buddy, um, like, could, could you not, could you go exchange money outside? Like, this, this is not a really good place. Oh, oh, this is, okay, this is how you're providing for your family? Oh, I don't, oh I'd hate for you to not be able to provide. For, oh, okay, yeah. Oh, I'm so sorry. D don't mean to interrupt. Okay, but see ya? Okay, bye, yeah. See you next week, okay. You see, this is what our view of Jesus, and this is our view of Christianity, that we should be polite, and yes, we should be polite, okay? Like Chick-fil-A, okay? Be like Chick-fil-A, is my pleasure. But yes, but there's a part of Jesus that if we do not stand, if we do not dig our heels, not dig our heels for the wrong things, but for the right things, and we say, you know what? We will not back down. When, now, <sighs> We will not back down. When there's sex trafficking going on in, in Grand Rapids is in the top five 
cities in America for sex trafficking, when, when abortion is happening at, its, at, at the highest numbers of any time in human history. Now, if you've had an abortion and know someone who's had an abortion, we love you. We understand that if you're in a situation where you've had to have an abortion, like that isn't an awful, like that's a, that's a, it's such a difficult predicament to be in. If you've had an abortion and know someone, the church is the place for them. We won't judge them, but at the same time, we stand against the murder of children. But anyone who's had that, we love you and we want to talk to you and, and walk through that healing with you. But it, it, there, there's something that we can't be passive towards these things that break God's heart. We can't be passive towards these things that matter to God and just say, okay, well, in this PC culture, to be afraid to share something because we might get an outburst and people might unfollow us or shade us on Instagram or Twitter. We have to be willing to stand up for something. We have to be willing to stand up not for conservative values, but for biblical values. Not for a presidential candidate, but for Christ, our Savior, and His will on earth. And so many, of Christian, so many Christians, we, we fall into this passive type of Christianity. And Jesus drove all from the temple courts, both sheep and cattle. This was a stampede. Jesus truly was a bull in a china shop. All the animals just stamp. Can you imagine if you had kids in there? They're kids in there, and they're just like freaking out because there's animals going everywhere. It's not done yet. It says, later on, it says, he scattered the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. That's like someone, Jesus walking in saying, what the heck are you guys doing? Listen to that fool with a microphone. That is not a what, not, I'm not a fool. But it's like him coming in and being like, flipping all your tables saying, what the heck are you guys doing? Don't you know church and the kingdom is not about a service. The kingdom is about proclaiming and bringing the kingdom of heaven to earth. This is Jesus coming in saying, why are you so distracted by your finances and your career and your relationships or lack thereof. Don't you know there's something greater? Don't you know life is more about what you eat or drink or who your friends are? Life is about purpose and it's about fulfilling the great commission and becoming a person who follows and knows Jesus. That's what I feel like Jesus would say in his fierce intentional moment with me and with our culture. And he flips the tables and he takes the money and he just starts chucking money, every, like he's chucking money everywhere. So now there's, there's animals going everywhere. There's, there's, he's whipping, he's yelling, he's going nuts. And now there's money on the ground. So you can imagine if I'm there, I'm like, pick the money up, you know what I mean? Like, so there's people on the ground, there's, there's tables flipping everywhere. This is like chaos at the max. And guess who caused it? Jesus. No, but Jesus is just, it's just, you know, it's always just me and him. Listen, there's going to be times where Jesus is going to flip tables in your heart. There's going to be times that he's going to say, you love your life way too much. There's going to be times where he's going to be fun and playful, but there's going to be times where he's going to come in and you're going to feel this conviction. You're going to feel this just, this, this, this feeling of like, wow, there's I'm not, like, there's something wrong with my priorities. And yes, you shouldn't stay there, but when you feel that thing, you should act on it. When you feel that moment of the relationship that you're in that you know you shouldn't be in or that 
girl that you're talking to who's not good for you, and you just do it anyway. It's Jesus, his fierce intentionality trying to save you from hurting yourself and hurting other people. And so many people either view God in one way or the other. Jesus has his fun, playful side, but he has his fierce, intentional, flipping table side. This is our Jesus. And so many people, so what is, what is this about? You see, what, it, what, what point are we trying to make here with his, his fierceness? Is that there's a part of his fierceness that needs to come alive in us. There's a part of his personality that we need to make our own. You see, this is a prayer that I've been praying the last few months. It's Jesus, let your personality fill mine. You know, I love Enneagrams. Like, I love all the personality tests. But at the end of the day, if our identity is wrapped up in what we perceive our personality to be, we can become enslaved by the very thing that we think is helping us. Now, I'm all for understanding strengths. I'm all for that. Like, hear me out. I'm not, but I'm saying is don't, this prayer needs to be on every person's mind on a consistent, Jesus, let your personality fill my life. Let your, per, let your playfulness and your fun side, let your fierceness and your intentionality fill my life. Here's my question. What is Jesus like? What is Jesus like? He is a, he is like, he is so like, one minute he's playful with his disciples. The next minute he's flipping tables. He's so intentional. He's so calculated. He was so on mission. And the reason that I point out all these things about Jesus is some, some people might ask, well, how does this help me in my life? Listen, the more that you know of and know Jesus, the more that you will come alive. The secret to life is not about, not about setting goals and accomplishing goals. It's, it's about discovering each and every day who Jesus is a little bit more. It comes through reading the word and, and, and it comes through praying and, and it comes through setting so, uh, time aside to say, you know what? I don't even know if this prayer thing works, but if Jesus really is alive, maybe he'll meet me. And maybe, just maybe, he'll connect with, my, with, with me and he'll show me what I'm supposed to do. He'll show me who I am and he'll heal me of the brokenness that I have on the inside. Because this is the Jesus that we love. It's so much better than this two-dimensional figure that, that we sometimes fall into. This is the Jesus that we worship. And that's why I love, I didn't even know they were playing that song. Like, he's like, he's like, he, uh, <sighs> nothing can tame. I just love that. Like, nothing can tame the God all-powerful. He's that lion. I'm sorry, I'm just getting off, off cue here a little bit. The other part of this, it also shows Jesus is in, in gentleness within his intentionality. In verse 16, it, does, it says, to those who sold doves, he said, 
get these out of here. Stop turning my father's house into a market. He didn't go and flip the doves over. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like in the cage. He was like, hey, just let the doves out. <laughs> like, this is the gentleness. Although he'll come and flip tables, there's going to be some parts of your life that Jesus will be so gentle, but so intentional. There's part of his personality that is fun. There's part of his personality that is so fierce and intentional. And as we get to know him more, we realize that his intentionality is all for love. And, and in fact, whenever you look at the life of Jesus in, in, in the Gospels, whenever you see his life, you can in fact say this, I am indeed watching love in action. I am indeed watching love in action right now. Now, maybe not what you perceive or define as love, but it is in fact love in the flesh. His fierce intentionality is essential to his personality. Nature confirms it just like the lion, just like the gorilla, and just like the mama bear. He is fiercely intentional. He's a man on a mission, and he's alive, wanting relationship with each and every one of us. You see, he was so fierce. He was so intentional. He was so decisive that even when death was staring at him in the face, he surrendered his life. Even when all the odds were stacked up against him, he gave his life so that death could be defeated, so humanity could come back into relationship with God the Father, the thing that he wanted all along. You see, his intentionality is never meant just to flip tables. It's meant to reintroduce people to the real Jesus. His fierce intentionality will sometimes make us uncomfortable, but it's always with the motive of you connecting and knowing God more. Here's my question. What is Jesus like? And how do you know that? Do you know Jesus from Sunday school? Do you know Jesus from growing up in church or, or worship songs? Do you know Jesus from, from listening to pastors or sermons online? Or do you know Jesus personally? Do you know Jesus because of your parents and your parents brought you to church and, and your parents are Christians so you think you're good because your parents are Christians? Listen, this is, what, this is what Jesus says. It says, if any man come after me, it doesn't say if any family, it doesn't say if any group of people, it says if any man or woman come after me, let him deny himself, pick up his cross and follow me. It says anyone who calls on the name of Jesus will be saved. And it's not a matter, it's not a matter of your good actions or your good deeds, but it's, in fact, it's a matter of pay, uh, placing our trust and giving our life to this person named Jesus, who is full of a dynamic personality. Would you guys bow your heads with me in prayer? If you're here and you're not right with God, you're here and you have zero or very, what you would say, minimal or lacking relation, personal relationship with Jesus. I want to give you an opportunity to change that tonight. It's not a matter of how, how good you are or how, what place you're in right now. It does not matter. 
Jesus was hanging on the cross about to die, and there was a, 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 a criminal who was being hung right next to him, and he looked at Jesus, and he says, will you remember me when you go into heaven? And Jesus turned to him and said, I tell you the truth, you will be with me in heaven. Which proves that it doesn't matter what you've just done or what situation you're in, if you will call on the name of Jesus and put your trust and hope in him, he can save you and he can turn your life from the inside out all around. Give you peace and joy because that's what you're made for. If that's you and you've never done that, or maybe it's been a while and it's all head knowledge and you don't have that personal relationship, on the count of three, I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand. One, two, three. Raise it up. Awesome. What you're saying when you're raising your hand is I want that personal, personal relationship with Jesus. You can put your hands down. Thank you. I see those hands. I want you just to repeat after me. No, this is not about you. Like, this is about you and God and you connecting with him. Those of you just raised your hand. But know that this is, this is Jesus we're talking about. And he wants to meet with you tonight. He wants to meet with you and, and, and take you on a journey of following him. So if everyone just, with your heads out, just repeat after me. Say, Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus to make it possible for my sins to be forgiven so I could have a personal relationship with you. I ask that you forgive me and tonight I give you my life. No turning back. Help me. and Help me to not take myself so seriously. I give you my life. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Give it up for those guys. Come on. And I want to end. You guys don't have to close your eyes for this. You guys don't have to close your eyes for this, but this is just a prayer I've been praying. I prayed it last week, and I want to encourage you to pray this as well. Even if you want to take a, a, shot, a picture of it, it's going to be on the screen here. Something I've been praying, and it's just so, like, powerful, like, when you pray, like, authentic, genuine, heartfelt prayers like this. It says, Jesus, show me who you really are, the true you. I want the real you. I ask for you. Holy Spirit, free me in every way to know Jesus as he really is. Open my eyes to see him. Deliver me from everything false about Jesus and bring me what is true. I promise you guys, if you'll pray that prayer and dive into the Gospels and see for yourself what Jesus is really like, he'll take you on a journey that will change you forever.